everybody, this is Trevor Lee. This is episode 108 of the Sales and Presentation Podcast. I hope you're all staying positive and I hope you're taking advantage of the Sharpening Your Business Skills series that I've put on my website, trevorleemedia.co.uk. All free to download so you can improve your presentation skills, become a more confident presenter. I'm also going to be doing some sales ones. Not quite sure if they're going to be online by the time you listen to this podcast. Hopefully they will be. But this podcast is about sales and it features my old friend Mark Kant from Scotland. Mark and I first met in Chamonix in France about 100 years ago when some of my friends were out there uh, for the winter and Mark became part of their team and they set up a very enterprising bread business which Mark is going to talk about in the podcast and he's also going to share with you how what he learned all those years ago stood him in such good stead during his sales career. So let's listen to Mark and let's uh, share some top tips with you on sales going forward. Welcome to uh, this episode of the Sales and Presentation Podcast. I've got with me today Mark Kant, all the way from Perth. That's Perth in Scotland. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you're up to? Hi, Trevor. Yes. Um, as you know, we first met all those years ago, 33 years ago in Chamonix. Funny enough, I have been listening to your podcast um, and I intently listened to your 100th edition. So many congratulations on that. Uh, <laughs> What was wrong with the first 99? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, um, that basically incentivized me to give you a call because I felt that um, there was maybe some ideas and thoughts that um, I could share with your, your listening audience. Um, and that's basically built on a career of the last 1987 was when I first started in, in, in sales in the northeast of England, a place called Chesterley Street. Um, and it was basically servicing all sort of high street customers, whether it be Tesco, Asda, um, Menzies, WH Smith, um, electricity boards. Um, and we were calling on those stores on a, on a local basis. And I moved down to High Wycombe as a key account executive. So living in uh, Buckinghamshire, um, we were there for seven years. Um, the Duracell head office was based in Crawley. Um, at that time, I did a variety of different account manager roles. And then after nine years, uh, Duracell was bought out by Gillette. Um, so that, that was quite a transition because all of a sudden you're, you're moving from, in battery terms, a D, a C, a double A and a triple A, <laughs> <laughs> five core products to um, a huge, vast range of, of different products working for um, Gillette. And then after nine years with Gillette, um, there was an opportunity for me to move back up to Scotland um, and, and what was called a sort of retail execution role. So that was, it was a sort of indirect sales role and helping to pull through the sales at a store-by-store -store basis. Did that role for 12 years. Absolutely loved it. It gave me a different respect for for store managers in general. Um, I thought I was looking after a lot of products, but if you think about a Tesco's Asda store manager, they've got thousands of products to look, at, look after. They've got hundreds of personnel to look after. Uh, and, my, and my role was very much about helping them uh, with in, in initially with Duracell and Gillette, which were high strength products in those days as well. Again, did that right through until about five years ago. And I'm currently working for a major air care company. Well, that's really interesting. And, uh, and, and I'm sure our listeners are now intrigued to know about the Shamri 
bread round. You were you were out there with some of my uh, old college friends, and yeah, you were running this bread business. So tell tell our listeners a little bit about the bread business and and, and the lessons that you've taken from the bread business over those next thirty odd years. So I decided I looked through the, the different books and thought, right, I'd really like to try and move to a ski resort. Never skied before. That was that was the crazy thing about it as well. Um, but move out to France and try and stay out there for the season. So put my rucksack on, um, headed to Chamonix. I had enough money to last for two weeks just prior to Christmas time to make it potentially into a holiday. But the longer term plan was to try and stay out there for the season. And um, moving forward from that, uh, it was a bizarre moment. Um, I remember um, going into the local post office and then who should be on the steps but this big smiling grin, um, your friend and mine, Dickon. Um, who was there with uh, Steve and Paul, and um, I don't really quite know <laughs> what led to We then got together. Um, I, I know we will talk about different things and from a business sense, but that was a, an interaction moment there and then that they were buying into me, hopefully, and I was buying into them. Um, and we then eventually ended up setting up, um, renting out an apartment, um, had conversations about how we could, um, you know, what could keep us going through that period of time, and the, the, the red round evolved. <laughs> so yeah, so then it, it was we we actually worked in um, every Saturday. We also cleaned out apartments for Pierre Vacances, which was the major um, uh, company that that owned all the apartments in Chamonix. So I think what happened was during the course of working and cleaning out apartments we must have had a conversation with the, the management team and said, look, we we're thinking about doing a bread round. Would this be acceptable? Um, now, from their perspective, in hindsight, you think, well, I'm actually quite surprised they said yes, given that we were all around in our early 20s. Um, but their message really was, if you can make it work and do it properly, we have no objections. Um, and fortunately, we did. We, we, it was a very successful uh, operation um, for four or five months um, and it basically it, you know, it paid for our rent and it paid for our skiing as well uh, which I probably went to fantastic, a little bit more. Fantastic. That's amazing I mean I mean I, I went out there for about a month I think it was around about the March time and a month a week a week I mean a week because I was already working in the media sector and my recollection was that you would go to the apartments in the evening and take the orders and take the money and then you would get up at some unearthly hour in the morning, go to the bakery, collect all the goods and leave them outside the apartment doors. Was that the business model, roughly? Uh, yes. I would like to think there's a little bit more planning and strategy written into it, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> and you would take a markup, obviously, to uh, make it worth your while. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, no, basically, that's effectively how it worked. We... Um, we, when we, we visited, went around the customers in the evening, explained about what we were doing, uh, what we were all about, and then we delivered the bread um, between six, we guaranteed that we deliver the bread between six o'clock and eight o'clock in the morning. Right. And then, now, given that we were living three miles outside of Chamonix, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was a challenge. Um, but uh, we operated a rotor system, so we'd all get a bit of a lion at some stage as well. So there was a bit of planning involved in that. Um, and uh, by and large, I think that worked well. Um, I think the only day I missed was New Year's Day, but uh, maybe you can probably understand why. And, <laughs> um, but um, but no, it, it worked extremely well. Um, the, the, the the teamwork was critical, really. 
Um, you know, we, 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 the apartment that we rented, we, we lived with an Italian guy who couldn't speak English. Um, he paid the bulk of the rent. Um, he spoke fluent French. <laughs> the four of us shared the same room. Uh, so, so teamwork was a, was a very important part in terms of, of, of getting on. Um, and um, yeah, there was, there was lots, of, lots of things evolved. And I, I've written some things down here just in terms of what were the key things. Um, you know, planning and strategy. Well, it was a definite part of it. Um, you know, it wasn't just a question of turning up on the doorstep. We had to think about seriously about how we were going to do it. Um, also, being reliable, being disciplined about the role, making sure that we were there when we said that we said that we'd be there. Um, you know, she rightly said we would back around right in the evening to um, basically to pick up the, the the cash from the day uh, and then take the orders for the, for the following day. Um, product selection, Trevor. That was that was a core aspect. Um, you know, these French boulangeries sell everything, um, but we narrowed it down to five key skews: uh, the baguette, the flute, the pan de campagne, the croissant, and the pan de chocolat. And uh, one of the key things was that one of the guys that didn't get involved in the bread round was, was superbly artistic, and he produced a little breadboard for us. So oh, points, I've been able to do it without it. It was the key component of um, going around and, and knocking on people's doors. Um, and, um, you know, to, to, to such an extent that uh, I actually used that breadboard for my interview with Duracell. So, yeah, so that was, that was, the, that was the tool that probably got me my, my first step in the door um, with the major yeah. multinational company. <laughs> well, so, you know it is amazing, isn't it? That um, yeah, and I, I love the thing about product selection because one of the things that's happening right now, of course, is that where businesses are thinking about where, how they're going to go forward when when this uh, current situation is all over, one of the things I'm I'm hearing a lot is that this is they're taking this opportunity to just look at what they're offering and whether they're offering yeah. too many products or where you know which products aren't selling because if you'd have been offering you know 15 products and you know occasionally one would be bought but five core products that was great foresight wasn't it to narrow it down like that if I, I might i might just sort of step into the the pitch one you know you can probably imagine to actually knock on the door for the first time it's a bit like appearing in your podcast Trevor. it's quite a nerve-wracking experience <laughs> so <laughs> So your know, first impressions were, were absolutely vital. Um, so we had to say the right thing. And I still have it to this day etched into my mind, um, the, the, the opening line, which we, because we kind of assumed that, initially we kind of assumed that most of our customers would be French. So my opening line would be, uh, Bonjour, monsieur, chaque matin, je fais la fraison du pain entre six heures et huit heures. So, bonjour, monsieur. Uh, I do a bread round delivery every morning between six o'clock and eight o'clock. I can't believe that even 33 years later, I can still, uh, that, that phrase still resonates through my mind. Um, but it goes back, and I know if you've talked about it in your own podcast, that first impressions count. Um, making sure that the, your opening line um, will have some sort of interaction with your customer. Um, smile it's amazing that because i i guess at the time when you were all doing this um you probably didn't realize how important it was going to be for later life did you in terms of the lessons that you learned 
I mean, did you really? Did you sit there thinking, you know, in 30 odd years time, I'll have worked for all these big global companies and I'll have actually <laughs> used the principles of, of the French bread round? We evolved to the extent that we got to know the, the tour reps from Sweden. Um, we'd advise them about what we do. And they, in turn, would let our customers know that, that you know, the service that we provided. Um, so they had a heads up even before we knocked on, the, on their door, um, which was absolutely terrific. And that worked really well. Um, and, yeah, it, 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 that then evolved into some of the, <laughs> the local nightclubs would pass us cards to, to hand out along with their bread to say, look, you know, you get free entry or whatever into the local nightclub once a week. So it was a very much a social uh, uh, aspect to it all as well. So you were also using third parties to help you get in front of the right people as introducers and influencers and all these things. So, yeah, fant- uh, yeah, great stuff. And, I, and I, I think if you spool it all the way back to when you said about the meeting in the post office, because in lots of things in life and certainly in business, as you well know from your career, that um, an opportunity can often arise and we're very good at missing those opportunities. We just don't see them or we don't take them or we don't explore them and then they're gone. And clearly yes. whatever happened in the post office, um, you know, it, well, is it fair to say that maybe that meeting kept you in France for all that time and created all those lifelong friendships that developed from your bread round business? Yeah, no, absolutely, Trevor. If you were now turning back the clock all those years, and um, you know you were meeting uh, some, you know your, your your you know your new self starting your career, um, but in twenty twenty, um, what sort of advice would you give to that person based on where we are now and the, all the things that are you know going on, but also the way that people operate and the things that you've learnt in those thirty odd years that would be really useful if someone was starting in your sort of environment now, what would you advise them? Um, firstly, I would I'd very much encourage them to, uh, to pursue a, a career in, call it sales, call it business interaction, call it account management, whatever term you want to call it. Uh, my understanding is that there are less and less people entering that, this arena, um, but I would certainly uh, encourage them. I think that you will always need people um, I think you, one of your, um, one of your podcasts, you talked about people buy from people. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't, don't see that role ever changing. Um, yes, obviously we're being introduced to to more and more um, social media and websites and, and ways of interacting, but you know people, you still rely upon that face to face content. But uh, I also listened to your your sort of three top tips. I can't really argue with them, um, the, the ideas that you suggested. You talk about make it easier for customers to buy from you. Um, keep it simple. That, that's one of the great lessons. Um, certainly, I have sat through loads of marketing presentations, slide after slide after slide after slide. <laughs> Ultimately, you do want to keep the message simple. Um, and, and latterly, in my um, role with the, the supermarkets and presenting to um, you know, major multiples, store managers, meetings and things like that. Uh, I knew those guys were incredibly busy. You know, they, they really want to listen to me rattling on about um, so many different things. So I would literally leave them one page slide at the end with three things on it. No more than that. Short, simple words uh, in the hope that in their day-to-day busy lives, they would think about those things uh, on, you know, when they're managing their, their, their business. 
Um, so, so yeah, keep it simple. Um, momentum. <laughs> uh, you again, you touched on that, and I totally agree. Um, I actually, um, I don't know if I've got a slide with me at this moment in time. Um, yeah, here's some statistics, um, Trevor, that you might well be interested in. I don't know if you've seen it before. Uh, the source is what is from what they call the National Sales Executive um, Association. And the headline is basically, it says, 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect. 25% of salespeople make a second contact and then stop. 12% of salespeople only make three contacts and stop. And only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Now, especially bear that last one in mind. So 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Now, the reality of that, when it comes to a sales turnaround, is that 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made in the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth. And believe it or not, 80% of sales are made on the fifth to twelfth contact. So for me, and, and I, I, you know, I've, I can see that in, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, and you know, I've, 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 I've kind of lived through that, and um, you know, that that is certainly a learning that I would take. Uh, you know, perseverance, um, momentum, keep, you know. Um, Keep in touch with you. Try and give, try and give um, an understanding to the person that you're dealing with that you are genuinely interested in their business and that you genuinely can add value. Uh, that's not going to happen just in one meeting. That's going to happen over a period of time. That's really interesting. Those those stats, Mark, because uh, one of the things I, I do is I work with through a third party. I do some mentoring with new businesses, and and I reckon most of those. Um, we'll have some sort of contact. They'll send out an email and, and that'll be it. And then they wonder why no one comes back to them and, and demands to buy off them. Um, so that's, and, and I suspect that for most of those new businesses, um, the, uh, the dropout stage is no further down the line than the second or third contact. And I would be very surprised if many, because I feel they, they tell me that they feel as though they've been a bit pushy you know, by going yeah. for a fourth or fifth contact. And I say to them, well, just keep adding value. Just, just you, you know, yeah. just keep, every time you make contact, bring something else to the table. Um, yeah. Is that kind of your philosophy or? Uh, well, well, definitely. And I think it, the key thing is, is bringing something new to the table. So don't contact somebody just for the sake of contacting them. Um, make sure that whatever you're contacting them with, is maybe something that potentially could add value to their business, potentially something they've maybe not thought of before. Thank you very much, Mark, for coming on. That's been terrific. Wow, all of this because of a chance meeting you had with a friend of mine in a post office in Chamonix 100 years ago. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, do you say friends for life and a career in top? <laughs> there we go. Great stuff. That's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. It was great to catch up with Mark after all these years. And isn't it, you know, just amazing that all the things that he learned on that bread round all those years ago have helped him with his sales career. And uh, what you wouldn't have been able to see on the podcast, obviously, is that he does have the original breadboard, which I think was mentioned in the podcast, detailing all the products that they offered. So some great stuff there. And it shows you, doesn't it, that the principles of sales still haven't changed massively. It's still a people business. 
And if you've got a good connection and good relationship with people, it will make a difference. Now, talking in terms of being able to present yourself, don't forget that if you go onto my website, trevorleemedia.co.uk, you can download for free during lockdown a little mini-series called Sharpening Your Business Skills. There are eight little videos on there to help you with your presentation skills, and there are some coming very soon on sales. They may be up there already. Uh, depends on when you listen to this podcast, of course. So thanks for listening to the podcast and thanks for contributing in terms of leaving me a review, if that's what you've done. If you haven't, then it would be great if you could do so. And I look forward to you you speaking to you on the next episode. Thanks very much.